211. Thursday Carney Show. It is February 8th. Thank you for joining. Yeah, I said February. Look outside and you're like, no, you're wrong, John. No, it really is. It's February. I'm glad to have you along on the broadcast and we'll uh, shower you, hopefully, with uh, interesting people, fascinating stories, an occasional chortle, you know, stuff. Um, interesting day in here today, walking around like, there's Karen Foss, there's Jennifer Plume, there's Wendy Weiss. They got cavalcade of stars around here today. It's nice. It's nice. I haven't run into Julie Buck yet. She uh, had an appointment that was delayed through no uh, choice of hers. So when she gets here, she'll get here. Uh, Brendan Weese is going to do sports with us. Marshall Brand, of course, being Thursday, will answer the unanswerable. Uh, hopefully, we'll check in with ABC's Royal Oaks about the Supreme Court determining whether or not Donald Trump's name will show up on the ballot in Colorado and or elsewhere. Uh, I got some news that broke. The paint, the uh, glue's drying. I'll give it to you later. Um, there is a show tonight. Actually, it's a series of broadcasts, and I'm sure if you are a sports fan, you're already wise to Major League Baseball's uh, ongoing show that they do that looks, you know, at the game. Sounds of the game is the series. And one, of course, on Jack Buck, there's Harry Carey, Joe Garagiola. Well, tonight, 7 o'clock, subject matter, Mr. Bob Costas and young Bobby will join us in the 2 o'clock Talk a bit about that show, uh, the Super Bowl, the Taylor Swift hype, and like I was telling Max off the air, is he having some FOMO, although he's semi-retired at 71, of, you know, not being not being involved with the Olympics this year. I mean, I get a feeling like some broadcasters, sports broadcasters that were former players get that quite a bit. They just want to take the headset mic off and run down on the field and hit somebody. <laughs> Maybe not hit somebody. Catch a pass. Whatever. So anyway, Bob Costas is going to join us as well. And honestly, it's been a while since we talked to Bobby. So there. Um, that's a show. That is a show. Oh, wait. I left one out. See? Bonus. Bonus. Um, I talked about this documentary, a lot of people have, called Immediate Family, that goes deep with the studio musicians who have performed with the best of the best and are on the soundtracks of some of the greatest hits in the world of music. And Immediate Family is one of these groups um, we talked to Leland Sklar and the director about uh, three weeks ago. Another guy in that group is Wadi Watel. And you may not know the name, but he's kind of a freaky looking dude. 
I mean, you see him, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I know him. Uh, Wikipedia, the guy, it it's an embarrassment of musical riches. I, I don't think there's many people that he hasn't played with. So had a chance to sit down with Waddy, and we'll share that with you later this hour. In the meantime, it's a short walk around the room right now, as it's only me and Mr. Maxi. Hello, Mr. Foisy. Hello there, Mr. Carney. I have a question for you. A question, if he says. Bob Costas is, in fact, older than you. He is. Right. He is your elder. So why do you call him young Bobby Costas? Um, where, did, where did that start? My father. My dad used to call him young Bobby Costas. And it just stuck. And I just always have called him young Bobby Costas. Got it. Yeah, but it's not chronologically appropriate, I guess. Well, I just didn't know. I thought maybe you had like a disagreement or running with him back at the old station, and you've kind of like enjoyed putting him in his place since then, maybe. No, we get along fine. He's brought attention uh, to my attention, my my arrogance and my narcissism, but he's not wrong. Joe, Joe Buck did it too. Come to think of it, it's a coincidence. Uh, no, so that's where that's where it started. And when he was working with my dad, he was a young lad of I don't know, twenty two, twenty three years old. Yeah. Uh, we'll ask him. I don't remember exactly because I was a teenager doing teenage things. So what's happening with you? Regale me with tales. Well, last night was a pretty cool event at. My son's school, they had an event called Middle School Authors Night. Right. And so anyone who wanted to share something that they've written, if you were in seventh or eighth grade, you were able to do that. And so he said that he wanted to share something. And uh, I talked to some of the teachers there, and they said he volunteered. There was no kind of prodding or convincing, which is is wonderful to see, because not everybody who who writes can present. You know, those are two different gears, you know. And I didn't know what to expect. I'd heard that they were holding it in the cafeteria. And I thought, that's weird and kind of impersonal, you know. But uh, but when we got down there, uh, they had it all decked out. They had the lights down low. They had uh, votive candles floating in these little watery vases. So it looked very coffee shop. And uh, they had a podium and a mic. And, and it was just very pro. And I really liked how it how it all felt. Did you know what he was going to speak of? Or were you surprised by it? No, I wasn't surprised by it. It was a piece he'd been working on for a while. They read a book in school called Samurai's Garden, which was about a conflict in the 1930s between the Japanese and the Chinese. A conflict that I didn't know anything about. Uh, and that's, that's another cool thing about being a parent of somebody who's going through elementary and middle school and high school is you get to relearn stuff all the time or, right. or or be exposed to stuff that they didn't used to teach us back in the 70s and, and 80s. Uh, but so everyone had to write something about a pretty heavy subject, either suicide or war or, you know, genocide. And uh, and, and he picked war. And so uh, it was a really great piece. And it, I was just really proud of him for getting up there and reading it in front of everyone because uh, that's a very difficult thing to do. And it was great fun, too, to hear everything else from these 7th and 8th graders, kids who are just now kind of uh, trying out writing and flexing their muscles a bit and saying, well, you know, I like The Hunger Games or I like Scream or Breaking Bad, so let's write about that. And uh, it's pretty pretty fun. So it was just a wonderful night, and I'm really proud of them and uh, wanted to give them a shout there on the air. 
Way to go, Oscar. And, you know, on top of that, the fear of public speaking is way up there for most adults. Sure. Let alone kids. So you get them started early and you're not exactly extroverted. I don't think you've been called that. No. And, you know, I was telling Oscar before this event, you know, I've I've hosted a a great many things in my career, you know, trivia nights. I've done live events, live broadcasts, and it's it's never easy. You know, I no, I I mean, like like a a ticketed event where people pay. Yeah, there's an audience, you know, pay 20 bucks to come and watch you on stage do something funny. That's difficult, you know, mm-hmm. and and ha- having done that and having had huge anxiety fits be- beforehand or the uh, the Animal House Cat Rescue, I I hosted the whole thing. And you've got like Brooke Dugman in the audience and stuff. It's crazy, you know. Wow. And you, yeah. And you think he likes like, nice things. He does. Uh, but it's really nerve wracking. And I told Oscar, you just just do it. And once you're there and once you're doing it and the audience kind of laughs and you get them on your side, it's going to be fine. The, the tough thing is the five minutes before. And I was sitting with him and I could see he was getting nervous. He was kind of shuffling his thumbs. And I just told him, just get up there on the podium and just start. Because once you start, it's going to be fine. And that's how I feel every time I do one of those. Me I, too. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm petrified. I'm sure at uh, Carnival, until you're actually doing it, it's going to be like, oh, man, I got to go up next. And we got these comics and what's happening. And is everybody having a good time? And how's the veal? You know. How's <laughs> the veal? And I, I've spoken to this subject before. And one of the other things about that, to me, that was so surprising is... Yeah, I'll get worked up and nervous as you would be if you were thrown on a stage at Fair St. Louis. I introduced a lot of those bands and there were 300,000 people sitting in front of me. Yep. I get the same anxiety if I'm talking to 12 of the Red Hat ladies at Schneidhorst. I, same feeling. I did this college thing where I was I was visiting a campus and talking about broadcasting. And you have all these college kids who are, you know, 18, 19, and they're like, well, maybe I'll go into radio. And it's crazy nerve-wracking because even though I do this for a living, they're asking me tons of questions about it. And I'm like, do I know the answers to these things? But, yeah, but I, I was just – I was really proud of them, and it was a really cool event. I was proud of all those kids for getting up there and uh, and and doing it. And, of course, afterwards, we, we went out to celebrate. We went to a Mexican restaurant that Oscar likes. And, uh, and Oscar wanted my opinion on everybody's – piece like all of their little short stories and, right. and, and, well, and you poems. are a critic and so katie is like be nice these are children be nice and i'm like okay son let me tell you what i think <laughs> yeah. the whole sentence structure right. um, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and you know i feel bad for my for john because he also is nervous going up to speak but he gets up there and he's very eloquent and he projects well and he's looks comfortable on stage. And I don't think he gets the plaudits because I think there's the expectation from other people that, well, of course you're good at public speaking. Look what your dad does for a living. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't work that way. No, it does not. Yeah. Good point. Well, congratulations, Oscar. Um, I got uh, something I think you'll be interested in in a bit, kind of a little update deal, but we need to uh, keep up on some business and, well, 
not every day, but quite often we'll fill you in on what's going on uh, out in St. Charles. Not hard to look that up because I live there, drive through there. My kids play there. They go to school there. I will eat out there. And the event list grows all the time. Um, We were talking to Tom O'Keefe from the Family Arena about the uh, upcoming Mizzou to the Lou quad gymnastics. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. That is in St. Charles. Working Woman Survival Show. That is in St. Charles. Uh, Also at the convention center. Um, And name it. Name it. The Mardi Gras Parade, the St. Charles version. Family friendly, not 8 billion people, and a much lower blood alcohol uh, level. We'll go through Frenchtown and finish up out at uh, the Foundry. And at the Foundry, there'll be food, of course. And it's this Saturday. Parade is at 11. After party starts at noon. There'll be food. There'll be live music, kids' activities, uh, and much fun. Much fun. I think it's probably too late to get a float in. But still, come down, have a good time. So, ton of things, ton of things out in St. Charles. Don't miss out. Don't get FOMO. You can get a full slate of events and the schedule all online at discoverstcharles.com. Fellow Deadheads, good news that the Dead & Company uh, reunion, if you will, at the Sphere, they'll be doing a residency in Vegas, they extended it and added like seven or eight more dates. So uh, if I can get a ride, that'd be great. (laughs) If, If you're pointed that way, you know, I'll sit in the back very quietly. But yeah, I, I have to go. I have to go. I mean, I've truly gone to, I don't know, 180 shows, 200 shows. You lose count after a while. So I think the only bands that have been announced for the Sphere so far are U2, Fish, and Grateful Dead. Those were the three that I had heard. I don't know when Fish is going to do it, but I know that they were confirmed. I, I know four different people who went to see U2 at the Sphere, and they all said it was unlike any other concert experience. The only negative that I heard is you don't want to be super close to the band because if you are in like the second row close to the band, sure, you're going to see them super close, but you miss out on the tech wizardry. Right. So you kind of want to be up high if you want the overall experience. The one thing, and I know three people that went to that as well, and the one thing that they all said was... I don't even know how to describe this to you, which is exactly exactly what I said when I saw Ka for the first time out in Vegas, which is a Cirque du Soleil production. Just unbelievable. Selfishly, I really hope 
that the Rolling Stones can do a week there or something because I think they would be a perfect candidate, not only with the songs, all the imagery. Agreed. And, uh, but it might, you talk about a rift in your marriage, not that my wife wouldn't want to go, but we might have to call Stewie and mortgage <laughs> the house because I imagine the Stones would, I imagine that'd be like $1,500 a ticket. Yeah. Uh, so. I read uh, a story because I'm kind of like looking where am I staying, where am I going to eat. The price tag on the proposal to build the sphere was a billion dollars. When the smoke cleared and the construction trucks left, it was $3 billion. Wow. Whoops. It's, it's so cool that America has something like this because you see things in other countries that are, you know, a giant LED. Where they're starving and they don't have fresh water and we're building $3 billion auditoriums? No, not at all. That's not where I was going with that. You look at Saudi Arabia. Their airport there is incredible. They have giant LED screens. And so, and London has this giant Ferris wheel. You see these other countries, uh, the, the developed countries, right. uh, doing these incredible things. And it's been a while you know, since we had something that we could really hang our hat on, like the Empire State Building. I mean, think about how long ago that was. So it's incredible to have something like this that is a viral meme sensation already, and only one act has even played there. And uh, it's just, it's really cool. We got Ted Drews. <laughs> All right, this is for you, Maxie. We, uh, a few weeks ago... Had on, I don't remember. Was it was here? It was the aquarium? Was you could have a grub worm or a rat named after an old girlfriend or an ex-wife, right? And they would feed it to a snake or whatever, or or husband or ex-boyfriend. Let's not make it just about true. The women, true. Although they tend to be more bitter, um, understandably so. By the way. And other, I've seen stories of so many other zoos jumping on the bandwagon saying, you know, hey, we'll name a skunk after your ex-husband if you want. Send you a picture, send you videos. Um, This one was a little different, and this one's in your wheelhouse. And I think maybe you can take this to your cat rescue people as kind of a bit of a fundraiser. Okay. They're not doing it already. Animal Friends Humane Society in Hamilton, Ohio. They're bringing back a fundraiser. So apparently they've been doing this for a few years. But uh, until Valentine's Day, you can donate $5 to their shelter and have an ex-partner's name written inside of a litter box. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Uh, They go on to say they'll take a video of all the names written on the litter boxes and signs and we'll post it to social media (laughs) on Valentine's Day. Wow. So I I might be a little extra jack for your cat rescue. Uh, I mean, maybe I would just hope that people donated the five bucks anyway. I don't. Oh, sure. You know, to me, it's it's a bit of I know it's all in good fun. It just seems like. I guess I've never had that kind of a breakup where I want to stick it to them kind of thing. You know what I mean? And you'd be the one riding in the litter box since you're cleaning them out there when you're volunteering. I am cleaning them out. That's very true. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, So back to the Bob Costas question of 
when I refer to him as young Bobby Costas, mm-hmm. which I, I, I just always have. My mother, who's 85, always called him young Bobby Costas, probably because she always had uh, the Spanish station on and picked it up from my dad. Oh, well, that's so, great. Yeah, as as did I. And a big thank you to you, Maximilian, uh, from the 314 for playing Ripple from the Grateful Dad. That on the Max's, on the Max's text line. <laughs> oh, on the Michael's Bath text line. Yeah, why well, I played that because Michael's Max's. off the air, mm-hmm. Carney was just uh, really uh, going all in about going to see the dead at the Sphere. And so I thought, let me just play some dead for you today because... Julie's not here yet, and so I think we might as well make it a, a carny bachelor party. You know, play the Grateful Dead and just kind of goof off until mom comes back kind of thing. <laughs> By the way, it's about 40 minutes after the start of our broadcast, and you have not accounted for your time. Oh, I haven't? I'm desperate to know where you've been for the past 24 hours. I was at author's night at my son's school. How about you? I don't know. <laughs> no idea where I was. I would tell you this morning... Uh, sat on the Shrinky Dinks couch and uh, unloaded, had a brain dump, uh, but left there a little bit early and thought, you know what? I'm going to take myself out to breakfast. So I went to IHOP. Yeah, I'm doing that well. Went to IHOP, ordered an omelet, and did my show prep on my phone. Wow. And it was it was some me time. And I enjoyed it immensely. So when you when you go to IHOP, I, I imagine you can't sit down and just say, yeah, I'll take the omelet. Don't they have like the uh, hinkety, drinkety, pinkety omelet flyover? Unbelievable. The, I mean, yeah. it's, that menu is crazy. It's, it's it, like the, it uh, the two evil eyes over easy with the side of the hash. I mean, what do you, how do you order an omelet? From cereal to dinner. Yeah. I'm just a big fan of the Denver. So I'm with the Denver. And I should have told him two eggs because a three-egg omelet is about as big as your forearm. Um, so, yeah, that was my exciting time. You're jealous, I know. You I wish, a little bit. You wish you were me. All right, Wadi Watel wants to share a story and already people chiming in about how much they enjoyed Immediate Family, which is streaming right now. And the musical legend comes on this program after these words. on the broadcast about a documentary I just fell in love with. It was so incredibly cool. It was called Immediate Family, and it's a documentary about some studio musicians who may not be household names, but they're the best, the best in the business, which is why the household names turn to these people to make their records. There was a film called King Crew about a bunch of those guys. There was another film called The Funk Brothers, which were the Motown cats that backed everybody else. And another family you don't know about till now probably is Immediate Family. And one of the members joins us now. He's Wadi Wattel. Hi. Hi, John. Nice to be here with you. Thank you so much. Every time I think of you, although you're on just about everybody's album, 
was that scene in FM where Linda Ronstadt was playing a live concert. And that was the first time I'd seen you and really heard you and identified that sound. Do people still mention that to you? Because that was years ago. It was a long time ago. And yes, people still do mention it. And uh, it was a great, it was a great thing to be involved in. We were blown away and uh, we sounded pretty good too. Immediate family, although helping make famous people more famous, which ought to be like a bumper sticker for you guys. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good line, actually. Yeah. Have released your own thing, Skin in the Game, and this a record from Intimate Family. Is this the first time you guys have recorded as you guys? That sounds weird. This is our second album for the Immediate Family. The first one came out a couple of years ago. The new one's about to come out, and uh, we're very proud of it. Now. Yeah, I caught a track called Skin in the Game and just loved it and immediately added it to my playlist. So, Oh, keep, that's wonderful. Thank you. Keep it coming. Hey. I like to look uh, in the bushes uh, about the guests I'm going to have on the show because there's the press releases and there's the stuff a lot of people are familiar with. But if you dig deep enough, you're going to find something where it's like, what? And the one for you that stood out for me was that you were actually in the movie Poseidon Adventure playing guitar when the ship flipped over. <laughs> That's right, I was. No I way! Was. Yeah. <laughs> I was on the, uh, it was the first time I'd played on a movie soundtrack. And I was in the studio, and we were cutting the, the tracks for the record, for the movie, excuse me. And the director, a brilliant man named Ronald Neem, came to the studio, and he walked over to where we were. There's a whole room full of orchestra players, all the fiddles and all the you know, woodwinds and brass and everything, percussion. But over in one section of the room is what they call the rhythm section, which are the guitars, the bass, drums, piano. And he came over and he just looked at us and he pointed. He pointed at the bass player and said, him. Pointed at the drummer and said, him. Pointed at me and said, him. I want them in the movie. <laughs> and I said, what? He goes, okay, you guys are in the movie. You gotta be kidding me! I mean, I was new at that point to LA. I'd only been in LA for a couple of years, and now I find myself on the soundstage. And then a week later, I'm on the movie set of 20th Century Fox for a. Uh, I think I was employed for two weeks. On wow. that shoot. And uh, and the craziest part was, I I was playing with the Everly Brothers at that point, and I had to leave town to go on the road with the Everlys. And I'm out there, and I think we were somewhere like in North Carolina or South Carolina, and I get a phone call saying, Wadi, you've got to come back to L.A. They need to, they need to shoot one more scene uh, where the drummer dies and you're part of the scene. I went, <laughs> man, I'm, 
I'm in North Carolina with the Everly Brothers. I can't come back now. <laughs> you got to restructure your scene, man. What I, I can't tell. I, I'm flattered and thrilled, but there's no way I can leave the Everly Brothers tour to come back to L.A. to shoot a scene. So it was crazy, you know. It was totally insane. But, yeah, I was on this movie set for two weeks. How funny. And, and nobody could save... Sadly, no one could save Shelly Winters. Spoiler alert. Sorry about that. Yeah, nobody could save Shelly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so much, I look at the bio and I'm like, oh my God, there's, it would be easier to talk to you about the records you're not on and the musicians you didn't play with. And it, as many musical acts that are out there and artists, it's amazing how many you have passed several times in different incarnations with a... Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. This man has been in my life for a long time. He has been my musical director since 1981 when we did Belladonna. My best friend, my million dollar baby on guitar and a musical direction a la everything else. Mr. Waddy Wattel. immediate family, a documentary about these amazing players and now a new release from them as well, dropping skin in the game to the new single. It's fantastic. And Wadi Wattel joins us on the show. Uh, you mentioned Linda Ronstadt. A lot of your work was with her and not surprisingly different members of the Eagles with um, Henley and with Joe Walsh. And they were her band originally. Is that where you guys met with the Stone Ponies? No. Uh, well, I met I met her her longtime friend and bass player Kenny Edwards. I met him first, and then I met Linda briefly. Uh, Warren Zevon and I we met the Eagles together, but uh, then all of a sudden I got a call from Peter Asher. He saw me playing with my with my immediate family. I was on the road with Danny with Danny, with Leland and Russell, and Peter came, and with Carol King. Peter Asher came to our show at UCLA, saw the band, saw me for the first time, and called me and said, I want you to come play for Linda. And and that's how it's been. It's been an incredible inside job the whole time. It's like word of mouth, and you see somebody play, and you like what they're doing. And for us, I mean, Leland, Russ, Danny and I have been playing together almost 50 years. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've known, the one I've known longest is Stevie. Stevie and I met in 1971, and Stevie and Lindsay and I, but Stevie and I have been together on and off since then. And since the 80s, we've been together like Bonnie and Clyde, like Mick and Keith forever. And up there, you'd mention... You mentioned Warren. And we intend to stay that way. You mentioned Warren, Warren Zevon. John, just... John, I got to pull him. Oh, are we done? I thought it was uh, for, 46. My bad. Sorry, Michael. Hey, Waddy, thanks so much for the time. We'll check out Skin in the Game. And folks, do go find that documentary. It is tremendous, immediate family. Thanks so much for all the great music over the years. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. Be well.
Mojo Nixon and 1-800-ELVIS, one of his many nutty numbers. He does give a real phone number here, and I don't know if it actually... It's actually uh, hooked up to the Elvis hotline. Anyway, I uh, was sad to see that he passed away at age 66. Um, another one of his hits, people, Elvis is everywhere. Did and you see where he passed away? He was... On a cruise ship doing a show. Yeah. Dying on stage seemed very appropriate for him. Um, inflatable Love Sheep, another one of my favorites of his. I think we've played that on yeah. the Carney show. Yeah. So I went to see him at Mississippi Nights, and he was actually the opening act for Dread Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. And Mojo did inflatable love sheep, and in the course of it, he had an inflatable sheep, which he filled partially with tequila, and did the shot on stage, which looked very strange. I'm glad you said tequila. Why? Nothing. <laughs> so that was a good show. That was fun. And then Dread Zeppelin came on, and for those that don't know who they are, they um, they play they play Led, Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin music and in he, a reggae style. Yeah, and the singer is dressed as Elvis. Mm-hmm. There were just a lot of things to remember there. I saw Dread Zeppelin probably three times because they would play Mississippi Nights all the time. Yeah. So I was at one of those shows. Then I think they played at American Theater. I think I saw them there. They're, they had a couple of records. They started doing like ACDC stuff and other classic rock stuff. And I think the singer, was it Elvez? Was that, no, that was a different singer. Different guy. But who was, it was, uh, what was his name? He had a stage name. He looked like John Popper. But and I, now I can't think of what it was. But yeah, it was a pretty fun band. Pretty it, fun. Was, it was a fun band. But I, I remember them being... To date, the loudest band I had ever seen. And I will tie this to Mojo Nicks. I think I saw them on a double bill with Hayseed Dixie. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, they are. That's uh, Bluegrass. Yeah. ACDC. They came up and performed on the show in the old Spanish station, and the studio smelled like bourbon for four days. Um, authentic hillbillies. Meanwhile, back at Mojo Nixon. So I'm at Mississippi Nights. Mojo does his set. It's great. Dred Zeppelin comes out, and it is so piercingly loud. Even my young ears at that time couldn't take it. Could not take it. So I walked out, but I wanted to hear him. So I just sat on the curb outside, smoked a cigarette, and looked over at the guy next to me, and I'm like, didn't I just see you on stage? So Mojo Nixon and I sat on the curb outside of Mississippi Nights and killed about an hour, hour and a half. Um, and just a very bright guy, very nice, very funny. Um, and sad to hear of his passing at 66 years old. And I feel like it's a perfect time to play this clip from the song Punk Rock Girl by the band The Dead Milkman. A security guard trailed us to a record shop. We asked for Mojo Nixon. They said he don't work here. We said if you don't got Mojo Nixon then your store could use some 
Wow. Yep. Uh, I was even unfamiliar with that one. Great one, Maxie. Um, he had a lot of uh, stuff online that you can find, like Bring Me the Head of David Geffen. Uh <laughs> My favorite was Debbie Gibson is pregnant with my two-headed love child. I remember that video, which I think only played on MTV twice because it was so disturbing. Yeah, and I don't think Debbie was uh, terribly happy. No. On this glorious, glorious Thursday in February. Don't expect this in February. Although, what we do expect, and I noticed this, I live out in Newtown and driving around last night. A lot, you know, we go Christmas crazy. And like the Today Show actually did some cutaways in Newtown of some of these houses and what they do for the holidays. Was, was your house on there? No, it's some lights up. That's it. But no, I mean winter wonderland Disney style. Wow. So like Julie Buck's house. Yeah. Yeah. Only shorter driveways. Right. Well, yeah, it's two miles. Halloween. Same thing. I mean, it looked like the set of Creep Show in a few of these houses with the, you know, the $300 20-foot skeletons and so much stuff. And I did not realize until last night driving through the neighborhood, I counted no less than a dozen houses, and I wasn't even looking, a dozen houses that have Valentine's Day adornments. Really? Yeah. Like inflatables of teddy bears kissing with hearts over them. The red spotlights on the house. The the blinking cupids. I, it's crazy. What does their basement look like? And what's in the Millard Fillmore's birthday box? Imagine <laughs> they really whoop it up there, too. We uh, We celebrate Valentine's Day a little bit here as well. In fact, we got a promotion underway as we speak. Nominate a very special Valentine for a chance to win a hundred bucks, hundred bucks in gift certificates from Herbaria, Walter Knoll Florist, and New Stedders Fine Jewelers. Wow! Yeah, all you have to do is go to ktrs.com, see the Valentine's registration, click on that. Answer a couple questions. That's all I have to do? Yep. Wow, that's not a lot. No, not really. And on Valentine's Day, we'll let you know. Okay? So take advantage of it. We might be able to help you uh, win over your loved one, whether they need winning over or not. It's going to happen. Bob Costas going to join us in a while. Royal Oaks, I think, will be with us to uh, see what the Supreme Court is up to. whether they're going to allow Colorado to take Donald Trump off the ballot. 
Um, and one of their questions that has surfaced is the same one that I have in trying to stay apolitical here. Um, why would something that significant? Because, yeah, it could sway an election if you can't vote for somebody because they're not on your ballot. Um, to give that much power to a state so it would be a state-by-state state decision. I think that's just a mess. Aren't the states supposed to have that power? We are, in fact, the United States of America. You left out the United. Right. Be like, all right, well, if he is guilty of an insurrection and this part of the 14th Amendment or whatever it was um, says he shouldn't be allowed, then nationwide he shouldn't be allowed. That's what I think. Hmm. They agree otherwise, well, then we'll go that route. Uh, what else, people? Thank you for texting in. Money well spent on our part. Well, not our part. Michael's baths. Michael's baths spending the money on this one. Let me catch up on that. Um, I'm on Stero or Australian Pink Floyd at the MGM Sphere would be fun. Absolutely. Uh, what else? Years ago, my wife... <laughs> Made me throw away my Mojo Nixon CD because it had a questionable song on it. Didn't go over well with his bride. I'm glad you cleaned that up for the year. Yeah. I was wondering how that was going to happen. Answers to your question. The big Elvis-dressed singer in Dread Zeppelin was Tort Elvis. Mm -hmm. uh, and thanks to all of you that sent that in. And one of the people on the three and four said they, he hung out with them, or she hung out with them several times. Uh, what else? Oh, no, love Mojo Nixon. And if you didn't hear the news, he passed away at 66 today or, or yesterday. John, are you familiar with the band Here Comes the Mummies? Rumor is all the players are studio musicians under contract in Nashville. So legally... You know, they can't really play any place, which is why they dress up as mummies and go on tour. Interesting conspiracy theory. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's true. I have I actually saw Here Come the Mummies uh, at a club, and they were a lot of fun. They do sort of a uh, a cramps kind of psychobilly type of thing, definitely right. in the same vein as a Mojo uh, Nixon. And, and I think they were opening for Hollywood Vampires, maybe. So a lot of costumes on, uh, on stage, but I, I never heard that, that they're well-known musicians trying to duck contracts. I imagine that wouldn't have lasted for very long. I think it's just people who like to dress up like mummies. Yeah. As soon as the gauze starts falling off, they're like, wait a minute. It reminds me of uh, Low Straight Jackets. Have you ever seen them? Uh, no, but I'm familiar with them. I think you're not a fan. Is that correct? I don't think I can say uh, that. I can't think of one song. Well, it's instrumental songs. They do yeah. like uh, flamenco uh, uh, surf metal. And it's all uh You're gonna have to find some of that because I can't even oh, yeah. picture the genre. Okay, low street and they're and they're dressed up like uh Lucho Libre wrestlers. They're wrestlers. Yeah. But who hasn't been, you know? Surely on some occasion. Uh while we're on on people, real quick. Quirky to say the least, and he's been on the show a couple of times and I love this guy, I love his writings. I love his movies. A lot of you love his movies because they are movies like Hairspray. Ringing a bell? Who do you think I might be talking about? 
John Waters. And apparently he lives in Provincetown. And each year they do an auction to benefit the Provincetown Film Society. And he usually donates something very unique, like a road trip with him to Vegas, I think, was one of them. Um, He led a tour of uh, sex haunts back in 21, had dinner at uh, uh, a dump, you know, a trash dump, and a soiree in the sewer back in 2023. So this year, for the Film Society's auction, you get to spend a night in jail with John Waters. <laughs> that would be wonderful. I, I, I've i had the great pleasure of interviewing him a couple times, like, like you yeah. have, John. And uh, he's the most personable and witty and funny guy. He wrote a great book called Car Sick, yeah. which was about the road trip. Yeah, yeah. He just decided to hitchhike and uh, met some amazing people. And, uh, yeah, he's a really great filmmaker. Waters looking for up to four Auction bidders to spend a night in a jail with him, have dinner. Um, it'll it'll be it'll be a once in a sentence experience. Four lucky inmates get to go behind bars and dine and spend the night with John in July of twenty four. Now, the way they're able to do this, and the bidding, by the way, starts at twenty five hundred bucks. The way they're able to do this is that a new jail has just been built. So this one has just been abandoned. So the facility has five cells, which is why there'll be four winners. They'll each have their own room, so to speak. If you're interested, uh, check out Provincetown Film Society and their auction, and it will come up, and good luck to you. Maybe you, too, could have... Dinner with John Waters in prison. Do you remember Gumbo? I mean, they tore it down and now it's a mall. Out off of 64 in the commons, past the commons. Well, I didn't I didn't grow up here, okay. so I don't think I've ever heard of it. Deep Chesterfield. You know where the commons are, right? I mean, I'm horrible with directions, with so I'm the, not sure. Across the highway from the factory. All mm-hmm. those stores and yeah, stuff sure. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go even a little farther... There's one of those uh, malls that sell stuff on the cheap. Like, like an outlet mall. Like an outlet mall. Yeah, Couldn't sure. think of the term. Yeah. There's an outlet mall. And what used to sit, there was a prison called Gumbo. And they stopped using it a long time ago. And it sat there for easily a decade. And it was long my idea to get some investors that I couldn't find, spoiler alert, <laughs> to fix it up and make it a restaurant, make it a prison-themed restaurant. Oh, my Lord. People would have their tables in the cells. Yeah. The waiters and waitresses would be dressed in, you know, warden's outfits. You'd be given a black and white striped shirt. I think I might have an answer to why you didn't get any investors. I see, well, I'm not to be trusted. No, I... I silver tray like they have in the cafeterias in prison. I can't even watch a show like Oz on HBO because I have such flashbacks a phobia about prison. Why? You've been there. 
I don't I don't know. I it, I think that's how phobias work. You don't have something that triggers it. It's like the clown thing. I don't have anything that triggers it. Right. It's just I just don't like jails. I don't like the whole idea. So to go to a restaurant where I'm pretending like I'm in jail, no thank you. But the kind of people that are rich and beyond reproach and would never in real life have a prison experience, this would be a novelty to them. I suppose. You know. I've had the experience, but it wasn't a nice restaurant. It was bologna on white bread and a cot. I imagine they'll do this up a little better. But if you want to go, it's out there. I guess anything's out there if you got the money. 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 Uh, I'd much rather go to a place like Del Mar Gardens than a fake jail, you know. Well, you can. Because there's ducks. You go there. They don't have cells, by the way. Well, that's good. Very good. I got a phone call yesterday from Jeff Braun, and Jeff runs Med Resources on Olive out in Chesterfield. And I was incredibly honored by the phone call. And before he could get to what he wanted to get to, I said, oh, by the way, I need a new CPAP mask. I need some filters. And do you have any, I guess they're called diabetic socks. The ones that that are bigger on the top as opposed to choking your calves. So I'm sure he's thrilled he called because uh, that was not why he was reaching out. He's going to send me all that stuff today. But he wanted to know, and they're doing a trifold brochure for med resources. And he wanted to know. If I would give him a quote and like an endorsement for their brochure. And I was honored. And within 10 minutes of hanging up the phone, which we don't really do anymore. I had 15 different things to say. Wow. Like super easy, super easy. And I'm like, well, do they want a paragraph? I could do a couple pages Anybody who's had the experience with med resources would have a lot of nice things to say, I'm sure. And being part of the Del Mar Gardens family, they pour the same care and detail into that as they do all of their other services and their retirement communities. So not surprised. But asking me to endorse them, I'm Jeff, I'm honored. Thank you. And I will write something today once I knock out my kid's ad in the high school yearbook. Eighth grade yearbook. Um, DelmarGardens.com. You can read up more on med resources and the other stuff and the other places. And we got to catch up with some commercials and we'll come back. And I got some news to break. All right, a lot of news to cover. So much so, we had to set the schmooze aside. A Republican candidate for Missouri Secretary of State posted a video of a book burning on social media. Valentina Gomez posting that video in which she used a flamethrower to light fire to books on the social media platform X yesterday. When I'm Secretary of State, I will burn all the books that are grooming, indoctrinating, and sexualizing our children. MAGA, American First. 
she captioned the video. That whole weapon thing in your ad worked out really well for Eric Greitens, didn't it? Might I want to put down the flamethrower. And it's a Secretary of State gig. Why do you have flammables? <laughs> President Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Yep, yesterday. Uh-oh. This time, mixed up which German leader he spoke to at a, a recent group of seven summit. He's not inspiring confidence. Not really. Biden told donors at a New York fundraiser a story about his trip to his first G7 meeting. He said that German Chancellor Helmut Kohl expressed concern over the January 6th insurrection. Here's the problem. Helmut Kohl served as Chancellor of Germany from 1982 to 1988, and he died in 2017. Angela Merkel was actually the German Chancellor at the time. Not just the wrong person, but the wrong sex as well. President Biden then excused himself as he said he had a meeting with Vice President Mondale. Yeah. Um, a, a man, let's do this one. A man. A man? A man. Admitted to breaking into a Franklin County post office twice and stealing packages. Be careful, Max. Sit back. While wearing a clown mask. Oh, no. True story. Scott Weatherby, 28, pleading guilty to two counts of burglary of a post office during a federal court hearing yesterday. Weatherby wore a clown mask as he pried the back door open. He was arrested at his home later after a short foot chase in his yard. And, of course, the police caught him. How fast can you run in those giant shoes? You know? That's true. It's a good thing he didn't get in his car, his little tiny car. I would say there wasn't any room, but that's not an excuse either. As Tuck occluded, hmm, were there vowels in there or strictly consonants? Michael Kane. <laughs> As Tucker Carlson was hyping his interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin, U.S. support for Ukraine hit a new low. Wednesday saw another congressional attempt to get rid of more aid to Ukraine. Unceremoniously collapsed, keeping... A proposed $66 billion injection of aid out of reach. The interview with Putin was put off due to uh, a slowdown. Apparently, producers had to remove the love scenes. Finally, ew. Finally, in Olympic news, a strawberry dessert contaminated by her grandfather's medication might have caused Russian figure skater Camilla Valieva positive doping test. Oh, no. It's what her lawyers are arguing to the highest court, which rejected the explanation, and she has been banned for four years. Valieva, whose doping case at age 15 stunned the 2022 Beijing Olympics, the word strawberry, by the way, is featured 43 times in the document that details why the judges rejected the argument. Well, Miss Valieva, my advice, you probably shouldn't have had seconds on the strawberry snort cake. But oh, that's just me. Wow. I don't know. It's all I got. Not a lot in the tank. It's almost the end of the week.
Um, if you're worried about Jilly, she had uh, a doctor's visit and hopefully we'll be able to get here. But as we have all experienced, going to the doctor and waiting for them seems to just be how business is done. I think she will be here because not only do we have a Hollywood schmooze that Julie will give us, she'll also spend some time talking about her best friend, Nicole Genovese and Genovese Jewelers. And of course, she doesn't want to miss Marshall Brain, Royal Oaks, and Bob Costas, who are all ahead on the show. And coming up right after this commercial break, John Carney, it's Brendan Weesey. Wow. Do you have the inside track on Julie, or is that hopeful? That's just hopeful. Okay. Well, me too. The folks at Allen Roofing want you to know that that that's not it. They do other stuff. And Lee used to tell me this all the time. Like, you're always talking about the roofing, and yeah, and that's what we're known for. But let people know that we tuck point. Let them know that we'll do their gutters, and we'll put those leaf guards on them that will keep that out of there so you don't have to clean them every fall. They also do siding. And... Um, only the best, of course. They put on my house, it looks fabulous. Fabulous. And I've put them to task for other things. Julia's put them to task for other things. They have always come through. Basically, if it's the outside of your house, they can fix it. Let them do their homework. Allen Roofing and Siding, online at aroofing.net. One forty-one, Carney Show. Welcome back. New sports theme, apparently. <laughs> uh, we just knew you'd have opinions about it. When you brings in, brings in. Well, you know that's just the bread on the sandwich. Here's the meat, folks. Brendan Weesey. How are you, buddy? John Max, what's going on? Hello. Living the dream. <laughs> Finally going to have some football this Sunday. So, the game on Sunday, is that flag football as well? It may as well be, right? I, I, The Pro Bowl has just completely fallen off the map. I mean, did you, does anybody watch the Martin Pro Kilcoin Bowl? Martin said on Channel 2, they didn't even play highlights. They did not play highlights. Afterwards, that's how far this has fallen off. I heard no one talking about it anywhere. Again, it, it, it's to the point now, just discontinue the game. Yeah, Why really bother playing it? And because now, obviously, they stopped actually playing a real game because pe- guys could get hurt. And it got to the point, well, if you're going to get hurt playing a Pro Bowl game and risk your contract, and, and I get all that, then just end it. Just end it. It's, it's the week before the Super Bowl. There's plenty of other things you could do to hype the Super Bowl. Yeah. I got a concept. Instead of the Pro Bowl... Why don't we have a football match between all the players that got cut from teams? They're going to feel like they got something to prove to get back in the league. They're angry. 
This I, is actually a pretty tremendous concept when you think about it. And the NFL could could go in with one of their streaming services, however, you know, 50 streaming services that are out there, put it up for bids. We're going to do like a reality-based television program. All the players that got cut from NFL teams, yeah, you're going to get to try out yeah. for this ultimate pre-Super Bowl game and – you're going to go through the whole process. We're going to, you know, Jeff Fisher's a celebrity yeah. coach. Maybe that is um, not a bad idea. I Dick Vermeil's a celebrity coach. I hate to give Carney a compliment. This but is actually it's really not a bad idea. We didn't hear the last part. Oh, there, there's more. They'd be playing hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I also think now that the NFL had they had some financial dealings with the XFL, and of course yeah. now the the UFL. Why doesn't the UFL? kickoff last weekend in that weekend before to get to kind of keep that train going where there's nonstop football well see this is where we'll disagree a little bit i you know last year the xfl did kick off the week after the super bowl right, yeah. and it felt like let it let us miss the sport for a few weeks and they're kicking off keep this season more. in late yeah. march yeah. right but I feel like the reason they're kicking off in late March is because, much like the XFL last year, it felt like they didn't have their ducks in a row and they oh, really yeah. really oh, weren't quite all. ready. No. I think this feels more like we're not quite ready to kick this thing off because if they could, I imagine they would still want to follow football, even though I think this might work out better for them kicking off um, kicking off, uh, I think, March 30th I, will be I, the first I, game. I know a lot of people love the baseball all-star game i love what the nba does it's a whole weekend it's coming up soon i can't wait the nfl and they're so smart and they do tv better than anybody how come they can't figure this out just again just discontinue they, they've got to discontinue hockey or go back again go back to west versus east so the fans can understand and get into it and actually you know care one way or the other they yeah. do these four little four team mini tournaments stupid just cancel <laughs> it and the mls last year they uh, and this was our first real exposure to it. First year with City as a team, the MLS All Star Game was the MLS All Stars versus Arsenal. Dumb. First of all, that means you cut in half the available MLS All Stars you can ha even have in the game. Why bother playing these games? Just cancel them. Baseball and you're right. The NBA, they've still. But they, they still do like a and dunking. They do like, they still a, whole do like a goofy draft, though, too, don't they? they? And that's they, dumb. They do. Just do West versus East, which they still have West versus East. Uh, but I just like all the bells and whistles of the whole weekend. They have, uh, you know, uh, pop artists and rappers come out. They've got the dunk contest, the uh, three point contest. It's just a fun weekend. And uh, it's going to be in Indianapolis. I think the tickets are going for thousands of dollars. So, wow. But yet the NFL can't even get people to tune in. Is LeBron going to do the dunk contest? I don't think so. No. Is it, that's never. Is, Are is they that, donuts? It? I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the NBA for a second, I am listening to a podcast. Not this minute. I'm doing uh, a broadcast. Uh, a podcast called Against the Rules with a guy named Michael Lewis, and I think yeah, it's yeah. sports centric. And I'm listening to the first one now, and it's all about the instant replay building office which is in somewhere in New Jersey, that watches all of the NBA games from all the different angles. So when they stop to do a, a replay and was LeBron's foot yeah, that's who on got the three-point line, LeBron, yeah. it's fascinating. 
what these guys do. And there's like 150 screens, and they see every angle of every game. I want to track these people down and talk to the guy that runs this place. It's fascinating. It's the the instant replay industry has just really gotten so crazy and so. I mean, down to uh, it's almost like a a, a a hair on your arm. If it's if it's touching out of bounds, they can see that through these uh, through these instant replays. I think the problem I've always you don't had, like it, right? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. The problem I've always had with replay is that it stops the flow of the game. It stops the flow of the game multiple times throughout, and I I think it's gotten to the point now where it's I mean it's so good, and yeah, you're you're gonna you're going to find you know right or wrong up or down to 99.9% of the time you're going to you should be able to get it right but i think it disrupts the flow of play and i think there's a better way to govern how you utilize instant replay in all sports it's also you know seeped into the collective consciousness of society because i can think of at least one advertising campaign where they use an instant replay thing where they're arguing about chicken wings. And they said, oh, I get this kind. And yeah. then they throw a flag and a guy comes out with a monitor and things. So, yeah. It's, I feel uh, like we might see a commercial like that on Sunday at some point. It's everywhere. We probably will. Uh, I've done everything I can to avoid it, but uh, we got to get to it eventually. Missouri basketball. Oh, gosh. Not a record I would put on my resume. The, they're 0 and 10 straight last night. The injuries have built up to a point. They lost. Shawnee sat out last night. He's been their best player overall for most of the season. He he goes down and I, they're just searching right now, and it's it's brutal. I mean, you go from making the NCAA tournament last year and so many positive vibes around the program, and now a massive step back. Hey. Good news is Dennis Gates still has a top five recruiting class coming in next year. There's realistic expectation that it gets a lot better. And in basketball and in all college sports now, John, with the transfer portal, you can go from miserable and bad, worst team in the league, and in the snap of a finger, you're a top 10 team because you can instantly change the makeup of your roster through the transfer portal. Some love it, some hate it. But it's the reality of all of these college sports. So you can be down, and I'm I'm as down as anybody. I, I gave <laughs> I I, I He's still, under the rug right now. I, I I still thought they had a shot a few weeks ago, and it, and it pained me to say, yeah, this uh, this season is basically over for the Tigers. But you can flip it real quick, and and hopefully they're able to do that next year. But somebody gave uh, four million dollars yesterday. Yeah, thanks for doing that, Brendan. I uh, got to imagine pleasure. that's going to help somewhere. Yeah, you're right. So a lot of that money, the majority of the money, goes towards Memorial Stadium for O'Field. They're going to do. Uh, they're going to continue to do more additions there, and it's. Uh, they did a fabulous job. Uh, the past go around, but now more updates will be done, and you want to get it to as close to. Uh, the rest, uh, you know, on average, the rest of the stadiums in the Southeastern Conference, and whether that be total capacity, whether that be just amenities and the aesthetics of the stadium, I think they're going to come really close, if not uh, surpass the average SEC stadium. And then you're right, John, some of that money is also going to be directed to the Tiger Fund, which will directly go to name, image, and likeness, NIL, and the money that you're able to get 
into these athletes' hands. It's a it's a major game changer for Mizzou, and it, it from football to last year's basketball team uh, to now getting a, a donation like this. Uh, Mizzou's moving up in the world when it comes to the SEC and and on the national scale of all college sports. One more football Sunday for the NFL. Um, thoughts on the game? Well, I think it's um, it it shapes up to be more of a defensive battle. Because the Chiefs have, you know, Steve Spagnuolo's defense, the former Rams, St. Louis Rams coach going way, way back. He's had this Chiefs defense playing very well. That's the name of the game for the 49ers. But obviously your quarterback's going to have to make a big play, whether it be Patrick Mahomes or Brock Purdy. My money would be on Mahomes since he's done it so many times before. But I feel like this is going to be a really, it's going to be a really tightly contested game. And maybe not all of the points and touchdowns that we've become accustomed to in recent years, but I think it's I think there's going to be a lot of drama. I'd say Chiefs really like super close, super close. Kansas City gets it done on Sunday. Wow, get out! Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, know, you do not have your 49ers. Out. You don't have your 49ers gear on. I'll wear it tomorrow. <laughs> I'll wear it tomorrow. What are you doing uh, tonight on the air? Throwing yeah. some more sports at us, We I will. Imagine. We will. Martin's got the Kill Queen conversation at 6 o'clock tonight. He's going to talk about the uh, the entertainment lineup that's coming to the big NASCAR race in June. Adam Wainwright's going to be among yeah. the uh, musical performers for that race. Uh, ben will be with me in the 7 o'clock hour, our winners and losers segment, special Super Bowl edition from 7 until 8 o'clock. Skip Berkmeyer with me talking some golf in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, join us tonight. Nice. We will. Do we have any walk-off music from Brendan? Do you have any... Like Foo Fighters, Handy? Uh, you know what? I'll bump out with low straight jackets. How about that? Fine. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks, John. Thanks, Max. There you go. That's why he's our sports director. Long as well, Julie had a uh, doctor's appointment, and you know, nothing against doctors, but they uh, they tend to work on their schedule. So, hopefully, she's all right, and we might even see her before Bob Costas joins us. That'll be about two twenty. He's popping in. We'll have Marshall Brain first, Bob Costas, and then squeeze in Royal Oaks at the end who has been eavesdropping on the Supreme Court. Let's see what he has found out. Tomorrow, Friday, our last get-together before the big game, so we'll talk about the big game. That's right, the people from Puppy Bowl. That's the one I'm going to watch. I don't know about you. And we also have Aaron Lapidus joining us tomorrow to talk about some changes in the tax code that you might need to know. Some good, some probably not so much. Julie, I have know the show. 
Uh, Max not only bringing a giveaway to the table, as he do, um, but Tom O'Keefe is MIA. So Max, stepping up once again, and we'll be doing a film review of something very intriguing to me, a film called Lisa Frankenstein. I am a fan of the movies that Diablo Cody has written. She was Juno, right? Oscar nominated for Juno. Mm-hmm. Might have even won for Best Original Screenplay. But she also wrote a movie, uh, two movies with Charlize Theron, one called Tully and one called Young Adult. And those are both very, very good. She also did a movie called Jennifer's Body that I know that Tom O'Keefe is a big fan of. So I like her stuff a lot. And uh, I'm seeing it tonight. So I'll let you know tomorrow what I think. Looking forward to it, buddy. That's coming up uh, tomorrow on the broadcast. But again, we still need to get through this one. Thank you very much. Um, I have seen more and more billboards around town. And makes me nervous. Not just the regular billboards. But I've seen an awful lot of billboards up for classic air care. And my first thought, seeing things like a $69 furnace and clean check or special financing for a furnace at $59 a month, 0% financing for 18 months on these billboards all over town. And here, I'm, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, am I not doing a good enough job promoting them? I, I guess I got to step my game up or something. The work speaks for itself. I've just kind of enjoyed being the one to say, hey, reach out to these people. They take care of you, and they do, and you're pleased, and I get the credit. Awesome. Classic Air Care. Find them online at classicaircare.com. Look at that. We got news coming up in minutes. You know, just walk by. Did you see him? I saw him, Captain Paul Kopsky. I can't wait to hear what he's going to do for the big game this weekend. Oh, is he going to watch the game? I think he's planning on it, yeah. <laughs> we'll find out, and we'll get his feelings about the Foo Fighters. Um, For Marshall Brain, we're going to talk about kids who drink energy drinks. Maybe not a good idea. Uh, we're going to talk about how exactly you measure inflation, like when they say, well, a candy bar would have cost uh, two cents back yeah. in the day. And then also, this is coming from Julie Buck, so I hope she's here for this. Can grapefruit juice affect your medicine? The answer, John Carney, may surprise you. That was actually my question. Oh, really? Because I'm the one with the high blood pressure. Oh. Yeah. Well, then the answer may surprise you. Julie will get it eventually (laughs) because she works with me. Carney Show, welcome back, man. A jam-packed hour to be sure. Marshall Brain coming up. Just a couple. We catch up on the text lines, too. A lot of uh, people jumping in on my idea for uh, turning a prison into a restaurant, which never actually happened. But a lot of good suggestions on that front. So thank you for that. Uh, Walter Knoll, again, this is uh, the time of year where it's all hands on deck for them. And I imagine they, too, are also looking for more drivers because... Roses are going everywhere and other bouquets and different things that express emotions of love. And, of course, these are flowers that will last. These are, they have live plants, too, that you can, you know, keep uh, alive inside. And then springtime, plant it outside, enjoy it there. And, you know, 
you take care of it, it can give you years and years of enjoyment. But even the cut flowers will last a long time because Walter and the crew go out of their way to get really the simply the best that there is. So if you're going to go to the trouble to get flowers, get the best. Walter Knoll, online, WKF.com. What would you do with a brain if you had one? If I only had a brain. Science. Brain. Each week we uh, come up with all kinds of imponderables. And uh, I guess the first question I need to ask you, Marshall Brain, is how does a mic work? Because it just occurred to me that for the last two hours and eight minutes, I forgot to turn Julie's mic on. I'm sorry. They <laughs> it's didn't all been vain. They didn't hear anything you said. Oh, well, that's okay. I'm you used such to it. Funny things today. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. embarrassed. I'm sorry. My apologies. Sorry, well, I didn't laugh at your jokes either. Well, I wouldn't have you known if your mic was on or not. That's when we knew something was wrong. <laughs> Welcome back, Julie Buck. Thank you. Glad to be here. Hi, and there's Marsha Brain too. Greetings. Hi, Marshall. You know, you play that little thing before the segment, and and she says, what would you do with a brain if you had one? And that has got to be one of the greatest lines <laughs> ever ever written into a like a movie or so. I don't know why that gets I, I know time. what we would do. We would ask them questions because we have a brain. We've got a Marshall brain. <laughs> nice. And questions we got. Max gets the credit for putting that together. What is that line from? Do you know offhand? It's uh, Wizard, of Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think I saw He's that. He's asking the scarecrow. I saw it when it came out new in the theater. What would you do with the brain if you had one? <laughs> All right, let's go. I've had this one a long, long time because I've had high blood blood pressure for a long, long time. And just like when I got braces... When I was 11 or 12, which I sported for five years and still have an overbite. I don't understand. But the one thing they told me is you can't eat grape nuts. I'm like, okay. So I left there and for five years I craved grape nuts like no one's business. I think I left the orthodontist when they took them off, went right to the store, got a bowl of grape nuts and I thought... These are garbage. Most kids would want Captain Crunch, Fruit Loops. Yeah. Carney wanted grape nuts. Because they said I couldn't have it. So I found out the first time I got prescribed blood pressure medicine, they said, stay away from grapefruit juice. I wasn't necessarily a giant fan, except if it was a greyhound to kind of mix up my repertoire uh, imbibing. Um and to this day, because I'm still on medications, they say no grapefruit. And why why grapefruit? Why not a pear? Why not uh, peaches or right. watermelon? Okay, so first we have to ask, are there plants that affect human beings? And we would say, well, yes. Like a coffee bean, if you eat a coffee bean or make, you know, coffee from a coffee bean, there's caffeine in it, and that affects human beings. And then there's, what else? Tobacco. Poison ivy. Yeah, poison ivy. I don't eat a lot of poison ivy, but. <laughs> no, but it has Some people would say weed. Yeah. Some people. Right. Mm-hmm. That's another one. That's a great one. Dude. And then there's, uh, 
if you if you're into opium poppies, <laughs> there's a certain effect that comes from the. I mean, so grapefruit. It just turns out is another one of these plants that happens to affect human beings. So pork chops don't affect human beings, and neither do bananas. But grapefruit and coffee beans and you know tobacco plants, they all do. So grapefruit is messing with one of the ways that the body breaks down drugs and gets rid of them. So, like, why do we have to take aspirin every four hours? Like, why can't we just take aspirin once and then it's in there for the rest of our lives? We never have to take it again. And that's because we have these systems in our body that detect these foreign chemicals like aspirin or any any drug, and it breaks them down and gets rid of them so because they're foreign. They're, they don't belong there. And so our bodies – okay, so there's, there's a, a system that breaks down certain drugs, and your uh, blood pressure medicine is one of them, and grapefruit just happens to get in there and, and mess that system up. So the blood pressure medicine doesn't break down as fast as it ought to, and you get too much blood pressure medicine flowing in your bloodstream for too long, like way more than a normal person or a non-consumer of grapefruit would, and that means it has bad side effects. And there's like, you know, 20 drugs. I don't know what the number is, but there's a whole set of drugs that are affected by that system that you can't take with grapefruit juice yeah. or it, it messes no, it up. Wasn't even a fan of, of grapefruit as a kid. But... I love grapefruit juice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I do. Now I want it all Just the time. Just because they tell you you can't have it? Yes. Wow. I don't like it at all. Oh, I love it. It's yeah. so good. Mm, don't get them, especially mm. the pink ones. See, you don't get me started. <laughs> All right, what probing uh, questions do you have over there? I'd like to get into this. I think this is an interesting topic. I saw a story on it the other day about kids and energy drinks, yeah. um, oh. are, that they could be more prone to mental health disorders the more energy drinks that they drink. And I remember kids being in middle school and wanting to drink a Red Bull, and you're kind of like, mm, I don't They're think that's a great idea. Well, the amount of caffeine that you're, I mean, talk about messing with your, your body's makeup. I mean, it's an incredible amount of caffeine. Yeah, and I'd like to know what your thoughts are on that, Marshall Brain, how caffeine affects your mental health as a child. Right. So... This is another example. We've seen this multiple times of large-scale studies where they look at, you know, whole bunches of people. And in this case, they looked at over a million kids over a period of time. You know, they they might study them for 10 years from the time they're 5 years old to 15 or something like that. They're called longitudinal studies. So they get a whole bunch of people enrolled. And they have them fill out surveys and, and stuff to figure out all kinds of habits they have. And then they start looking at what kind of diseases do they get or when do they die. Or, you know, they, they look at, at stuff that happens to those people over long periods of time. And this is one of those studies. And you take a million kids and you look at the ones that are consuming caffeine and then 
down the road, you notice, oh, man, these kids, they're getting ADHD more often, and they're getting depression more often, and they might, uh, there's some thought they might commit suicide more often. And, and it's like the caffeine is getting in there, and a kid's brain is growing. All, you know, our brains are growing all the way up to age 25. And so it somehow is getting in there. And it's messing with some part of the growth process and changing the wiring or something. We don't, we don't know what's happening, but that is the effect that caffeine is being shown to have on kids that are, I mean, it could be any, a kid starts drinking coffee for some reason, or, you know, a soft drink, or uh, you mentioned Red Bull. It's all, you know, it has the caffeine in it. And this is also why they don't want pregnant mothers drinking caffeine. You know, there's a whole bunch of things like don't drink alcohol. And I don't know the whole list, but you don't drink alcohol because that causes fetal alcohol syndrome. And you don't take fentanyl because now we know there's a fetal fentanyl syndrome as well. And turns out that's why you don't drink caffeine when you're pregnant is because it gets into the fetus's brain and, messes up the wiring in small ways and has an effect. How does he do it? How does he do it? Every question, he's got an answer. He's a brain. Well, guess what? We're going to throw more at you next week. Be ready. Be ready. You guys have a great weekend. All right. You too, Marshall. Thanks. Thank you, Marshall. All right, Jules, now that you're here, uh, probably time to talk about jewelry. I love because I didn't. I didn't do it while you were. I gone. love to talk about jewelry and and my BFF Nicole Genovese at Genovese Jewelers, the very best you will find anywhere. She just got back from a trip to Chicago to sell some diamonds because you think Chicago, wow, that's like the epicenter of fashion and jewelry and design and all these wonderful things. Well, Shootings. guess what? These people. Well, these people are. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but these people are coming to St. Louis to have Genovese Jewelers come their way and bring the jewelry to them because they get a better price at Genovese because the quality is better. They can trust these people because they've been in the business for over 40 years. And if you're buying an engagement ring, let's be honest, no guy going to a jewelry store knows what he's looking for as far as the color oh, yeah. okay it the is. color of the ring the brilliance maybe the shape like she wants a pear shape or she wants a round or a do you know what a princess cut is of course you do no oh it's a square diamond but there's all kinds of options stuff like that and you might go for a higher color and if it's uh going to be uh, insured which of course you want to do that they will help you walk through the entire process and they will give you mm. the very best price it's super important to trust your jeweler. And I would personally tell you, trust no one else other than Genovese Jewelers, just west of 270 on Olive and always online to GenoveseJewelers.com. Carney Show, welcome back. Thursday edition of it. We'll check traffic in a while. Also, Royal Oaks, who's following the Supreme Court at this particular point in time. Uh, Major League Baseball Network, or the MLB to the insiders, has been running a series called The Sounds of Baseball that I'm sure you know, Jules. They did one on your dad, uh, Harry Carey, uh, and several. And they're just doing the St. Louis people, apparently. Uh, Bob Costas is 
the subject matter tonight, 7 o'clock on the MLB. And I read that, and I thought, you know what? Young Bobby has not joined the show in quite a while. Hi, Mr. Costas. How long has it been? The last time I actually was Young Bobby. Well, <laughs> Well, no, I mean, you know what? You've been called worse, right? I mean, wouldn't oh, you? Oh, my, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> yes, yes, I have. And to your earlier point, John, and hi, Julie. Hi, Bob. Um, it it has really been heavily St. Louis. Uh, I'm the usual host of it, but not tonight because it's about me. So Matt Baskurgeon will sit in and do that. Um, but your dad uh, was the second one we did. We did Vin Scully first. We did Jack Buck second. Shortly after that, we did Harry Carey and Joe Garagiola. Um, and your brother, I don't know if you know this or not, but in a week or two, your brother is the next installment. And I do host that one along with Tom Verducci. So I'd say we've done about a dozen. And five of them, if you count me, have St. Louis ties. Hmm. That's really cool. I mean, it's in the water. Yep. Yeah. How does that yep. make you feel to do one of those on you or have them kind of highlight you? Well, it's pretty humbling, um, and it's, I guess, a keepsake. Um, when Al Michaels was the subject, Al was a great baseball announcer, both in Cincinnati and San Francisco, on the radio locally, and then on ABC. But because of the way network rights go, he hasn't called baseball since 1995. And when we did one on him, one of the first things he said was, my grandchildren think of me as a football announcer only. This will be a keepsake for my family and especially for my grandchildren. So you Absolutely, think of it that yeah. way because, you know, if they do the same kind of job uh, with me tonight as we've done with the other people, it, it is kind of a career retrospective and it's done respectfully. So, you know, uh, it's humbling and I'm looking forward to seeing it. When you came to us in St. Louis to cover uh, basketball and hired by Bob Highland, mm -hmm. how old a guy were you at that point? I was 22. Wow. And were you thinking, and, I'm going to be a sportscaster for my career going forward? Yes. Forever? Yes. And, and I was thinking that at 22, I was in Syracuse the year before doing minor league hockey for 30 bucks a game. And I thought, hey, this is a good start. Now I'm at KMOX when I'm 22 years old. There's Jack Buck. There's Dan Kelly, then the greatest of all hockey announcers. There's Bob Starr, who on football, on the radio, was as good as anybody I've ever heard. And then the whole legacy of Harry Carey and Joe Garagiola and later Gary Bender and Jay Randolph and Dan Deardorff and then Julie's brother Joe comes along. I mean, you could stock an entire network sports staff just with the people that KMOX had. So there I am at 22, and my thought was, I hope I can do well here and be at KMOX for the rest of my life. That's really what I thought. How's your Spanish? Is it's all Spanish now? I don't know whether you've heard. Oh, uh, well, I was just on KMOX a couple hours ago, and they were speaking English, so I believe you've been misinformed, John. <laughs> Must have been their live stream. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, I think it's. Um, I, I think that that's intuitive. That at your young age of twenty-two, you thought, "Wow, I I would love to be here the rest of my life." That you kind mm -hmm. of were able to pick up on that. And what back then? Not to make you feel old, because well, I guess mm -hmm. we're all getting there. Um, what back then did you send to Bob Highland? Did you send a reel-to-reel, -reel, or how did he find you, and how did you yeah. find him? Yeah, that's what I did. I sent a reel-to-reel. -reel. That's what you did in those days. It's not like today where you could just send a link, and an aspiring broadcaster could send a 100 of them out in a single day. Um, 
It was a bulky reel-to-reel thing that you played on a heavy woolen sack. And it was a game that I'd done on the campus station when I was 20 uh, between Syracuse and Rutgers. And I've told this story before. It was pretty good, but I edited out all the rough spots. <laughs> and then I just spliced it together so it was Syracuse with the ball, Rutgers with the ball. And it seemed like one uh, continuous 10-minute sequence. And then I had an engineer re-record it with the treble slightly down and the bass slightly up to make me sound a little older and a little more authoritative. (laughs) And then I sent it off and Mr. Highland listened to it and others listened to it. And your dad was among those who listened to it. And I think they got more than 200 applicants and your dad whittled it down to three or four. And I was one of them. And Mr. Highland brought me in for an interview and I'm thinking, you know, just, it's like the Academy Awards or the Emmys, just to be nominated is a good thing. Something, well, I was nominated, then I'll go back to Syracuse. And I was so convinced of that, that the one day I was in town, I went to Musial and Biggie's restaurant because I'd never set foot in St. Louis until that time. But of course I knew all the lore of Stan Musial and I had a hamburger and a Coke. And back then in 1974, that might've been 10 bucks. And I left a tip in cash because they didn't have any credit cards three singles a quarter a nickel and a penny 331 which was stan musial's lifetime batting average because i thought i'll never be back oh my gosh that's so good and and lo and behold mr highland uh says you know you're you're 22 your dad your dad actually said you're 22 i have ties older than you kid that was his quote i have ties older. yes um and i was 22 but i looked like i was 15 (laughs) and i was like i can't get this job it's ridiculous (laughs) but mr highland saw something in me and i guess in a way he was kind of right so it all worked out so the mindset is i'm going to spend the rest of my days in st louis at this legendary Mm -hmm. station Mm-hmm. The networks come calling, and they want you to do stuff. I would, I, I can only guess how that felt, but I'm picturing it like when Phil Collins came out from behind the drums, and all of a sudden he's the lead singer for Genesis. I, I would think that had to be slightly well, terrifying. It, it was terrifying because of my age and experience, but there was precedent for it. Jack Buck, while remaining as the voice of the Cardinals, did a lot of network stuff for CBS TV uh, and later Monday Night Radio uh, nationally for CBS. Um, Dan Kelly did the Stanley Cup games while also doing the Blues games. There was precedent for that. Gary Bender, who was briefly at KMOX, was a big deal at CBS for a while in uh, the 1980s and early 90s. Dan Deardorff, same thing on Mm -hmm. KMOX, was also doing Monday Night Football. And now Joe Buck. Uh, although he's moved away from KMOX, when he was still on the radio, he was getting his break uh, with Fox. So there was precedent for it. And I remember I talked with with Jack Buck and I talked with Jay Randolph, uh, who had done a lot of stuff and was still doing a lot of stuff um, for NBC. And the first game I did for CBS TV was the 49ers at the Packers. And I was 24 years old and I was really, really filled with anxiety. I was just hoping not to screw it up. And I'm sure it wasn't one of the greatest broadcasts ever, but it was good enough that they kept bringing me back. And then NBC took notice of me a few years after that. And I became full-time at NBC, but I stayed at KMOX for several years after that uh, and lived in St. Louis most of my adult life. And I still consider St. Louis now to be my hometown. 11 Olympic games you covered for television. We're about to get the summer games again. Uh, Mm -hmm. this year 
Do you get FOMO? Do I get what? The, the fear of missing out, not doing that anymore. Do you miss the no, no. excitement, um, the pink eye? No, I, I absolutely do not. Um, I did a dozen of them. I was late night host in 88 and then became the primetime host after that. And it was totally out of my system. And in fact, when I signed my last deal with NBC in 2012, I stipulated that 2016 in Rio would be my last Olympics. And that would also be my last season on Sunday night football. And then I would move into an emeritus role. So, you know, I had a, a good long run Sure. and uh, I don't, I, I watch it casually now, uh, but I never find myself saying, gee, if I was doing it, I'd say this, or I'd do that. It's just out of my system. Um, and I had a good long run and I appreciate it. I bet you have people that will come up to you all the time and say, I sure do miss you on the Olympics because mm -hmm. for a lot of us, that was the, the prime era to watch the Olympics. And yeah. you are the name that we associate with the Olympics in our head and you did it so well. Right. Thank you, Julie. I, I do hear that quite often, but I think that Mike Tirico, who I've been connected to since 1987 because he got the first Bob Costas scholarship at Syracuse University in oh my, my name. And I went up to Syracuse to make sure that the first recipient wasn't a knucklehead. And it, it turns <laughs> out that he's very talented and very versatile. So, uh, they tabbed the right guy to be my successor, and I think he's doing an excellent yeah. job. I'm sure that back, you know, in the 90s, people came up to the great Jim McKay and said, we miss you on the Olympics because he was so terrific, and they were used to him. And I hope that I did a good job, and certainly I was around long enough that people associated me with it. So I understand that, and I appreciate it, but time marches on. What if I told you 10 years ago that, hey, there's going to be a Super Bowl game, and what's going to be more important than the actual play on the field is the fact that one of the players is dating a pop star. I don't know. It's more important, but it's certainly at least a secondary storyline, and you would think it'd be impossible to boost the ratings of a Super Bowl, which is already through the roof and uh, many times over the other whatever is outside of the NFL, the highest-rated television program of the year, the Super Bowl trumps that many, many times over. But the presence of this storyline may bring in uh, at least a marginal number of non-football fans. A lot of people who watch the Super Bowl aren't really football fans anyway, as witness the fact that the Super Bowl rating is twice that of the conference championships. And the conference championships get about 50 million viewers. But some people who watch the Super Bowl do it for the commercials and for the halftime show. And now you got the Taylor Swift angle on top of it. What would you do if 10 years ago we told you the Super Bowl is going to be in Vegas? <laughs> would that have surprised have, you? Uh, yeah, I would have doubted it. Or that um, an NFL franchise would be there, the Raiders, that the Oakland A's would be contemplating moving there, and that the leagues would not only accept but would promote gambling. Because 10 years ago, the commissioners of every sport were testifying before Congress yeah. that legalized gambling would undermine the integrity of their games. Now, they all still have rules against any active participant, executive, referee, umpire, player, certainly. They all have rules against uh, those individuals betting on their sport. And there have been some NFL players uh, suspended for that. Uh, but there would there's just too much money now out there, whether everyone's comfortable with it or not. There's just too much money out there um, for the leagues not to grab 
their portion of it. You know, municipalities uh, get some of the revenue from legalized gambling. It's a source of revenue for states and municipalities, and it's certainly a huge source of revenue. And part of the reason why salaries continue to go up is that new revenue stream opened up for all the leagues. Probably a fairly unrecognizable landscape at this point from when you um – came into the game sounds of baseball it's on the mlb network the debut tonight of the bob costas episode that is at seven and there's more to come with that well done broadcasting and always good to talk to you young bobby john thank you very much good to talk with you too julie you too bob and i really look forward to watching this tonight i I want this to be a great salute to your fantastic career Thank you very much. And a salute coming up for your brother in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to that, too. Take care. Thanks so much for the time. So long. Bye. You got a brother? You can't stop. You won't stop. No, I can't. All right, let's go to the KTRS Traffic Center now. Check the roads. Here's Captain Paul Kopsky. You got a captain? <laughs> Julie, we are accident-free right now. There is a lane closure on northbound 55 at Bayless until 4 p.m. today. Road work on eastbound 64 past Big Bend has the left lane closed, and construction on 270 east past Hanley is blocking the right lane. From the KTRS Traffic Center, I'm Captain Paul Kopsky on the Big 550 KTRS. So, Captain, I, I was kind of waiting for you to jump in. <laughs> I didn't know I was allowed. And the camera said, oh, you're always allowed. <laughs> He's royalty. Should we call him back? Is there anything you want to ask him? <laughs> well, I do have a Bob Costas story. You do? What when I it? was a teenager, I sent a letter to Bob Costas saying he was my idol. I sang I wanted to be a sportscaster. And he replied, and he sent me some information. Did he It was really? great. I still have that somewhere. You do? Captain yeah. Paul. That is a great story. Yeah. How and by that? the way, I Let's you call have, him back. You have <laughs> an admirer. My friend Trisha said, I really like that Paul. He's really funny in the is afternoon. She's single. Yeah, <laughs> oh, she is. She's oh, gonna kill me for that. <laughs> Matchmaker. Mm-hmm. Match.com. <laughs> so what are you okay. doing? What are you doing this weekend? <laughs> what have, <laughs> have we been through this? Uh, I think so. That wasn't a show. It was another show. Oh, okay. So what are you doing this weekend? Well, this weekend I'm uh, going to the Super Bowl party. Could, you, you? could you bring a plus one? Um, Julie's friend, maybe? Yeah, there you go. You want to take Trish to the party with you? Or Bob Costas. Can I see a profile? Okay, if you, yes. Oh. If you, oh. Doesn't want to look order off get, the menu. Look who's getting picky over here. Okay, I see how it is. If you could take either my friend Trish, who just by my word, I tell you, is a lovely looking person, and she's beautiful on the inside and oh, the don't outside. don't say nice personality. Or, or Bob Costas, if you could pick one of them to take to your Super Bowl party, who would it be? With all respects Paul to Kopsky. Trish, I think I would go with Bob Costas. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, Trish just texted us. Sorry, I have other plans. <laughs> Sadly. Oh, well, I wonder if Bob has other plans. I don't know. We'll now it's getting get, weird, Paul. We'll, we'll, go, we'll call him back. Uh, and I can't wait till you join us tomorrow to tell us what you're doing this weekend. I will. I'll do it again. It is at 2.37. <laughs> we got stuff to do, and we'll do it. Hang on. All right. This is something I could really get behind. So it's not sad news to start the uh, It's not. It's like the best Yay. news ever. If you've ever dreamed of sailing on the love boat, this is as close as you will ever get. Princess Cruises will set sail 
in August with the cast members from the original series. That are still with <gasps> us. How fun would this be? Seven Days at Sea with Doc, Gopher, and Isaac, and then Vicki Steubing, the daughter, who I always wanted to be, the daughter of Captain Steubing. Yep. I don't know. I just Perfect timing with ships uh, quarantined because of E. coli right now. Right, exactly. Well, this is until August, so they've How got time to... How bad do you want to see Isaac? ...to clean up their act. Gavin McLeod sadly passed away back in 2021, and then the woman that played Julie McCoy is still with us. She's 70 years old, and she's wow. had some problems. But Julie McCoy is 70, and she had a Dorothy Hamill, if you think about it, really. that's She was rocking the Dorothy Hamill with her too, blazer. But yeah, now that you say that. Uh, Disney announced that Moana sequel will hit theaters November 27th. So that's kind of exciting. The Rock will return to the film. Um, yeah, but sadly, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who did the music for Moana, which was incredible, is not returning. And I think that's a huge step down in quality. But why is that? Oh, I mean, I don't know. Is it Maybe a money thing? Make some up, Max. Money. No, I mean, I, I'm not sure why, but I mean, that's one of the big reasons why that Moana film was so successful. His songs were wonderful. It's a cute movie, really cute movie. Tracy Chapman's fast car went up 241% in streams I'm after sure. that killer Grammy performance oh, on Sunday night with Luke Combs. That was awesome. It was, I mean, it, if you haven't downloaded it yet, I mean. I had so many you emotions. Just, you've got to do it. I did. I had so many different emotions. About the Madden NFL video game made its annual Super Bowl prediction based on simulation. And they said that the Chiefs, go Chiefs, will beat the 49ers 30-28. to 28. Yeah, and right. that Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes will be named MVP. It's also worth mentioning but that, that was on an Atari. That Madden Niners. has been Madden has been wrong. The game has been wrong for the last three years. So they might break their streak, or they might make it a fourth year that nope. they don't really know what's yep. going on. Nope, yep. not going to happen. Okay. One hundred and fourteen years ago today, the Boy Scouts of America was founded, and forty-one years ago today. Wayne Gretzky set a record when he scored four goals in one period during the NHL All-Star Game. Yeah. Today is Fat Thursday. Is that a fat joke? I didn't want to say it, but yeah, it's a fat thing. Sounds like it's a fat joke. I it wasn't meant to be a fat thing. Okay. You were at the Boy Scout uh, anniversary today? Yeah. At the beginning of that? And I was trying to think, was I, uh, no. I did the Cub Scouts. I was a Weeblow, I was a Cub Scout, and then I saw something something shiny. No, then you grabbed a football and you took to the field and you were everyone's hero. Well, there's that too. But I, I didn't graduate up the ranks. Were you a scout of any kind? Selling yes, cookies I was and jazz? A, I, oh, of course. Were you um, selling them? Or I was. I was eating them, them and then I was selling them. Was Putting selling socks them in them. the box and stuff. I was, thinking yeah. Thinking no one would notice. It was total fraud. Um we were what we were uh what are the brownies that's what it was first first you're a brownie i think you're a pixie then you're a brownie and then you're a girl scout and i think i ended that whole game around 5th 5th grade yeah but i remember my grandmother's trunk was filled with all the different cookies and she was like had like a whole operation going on with dropping them off at different places where she played bridge and got her hair done and you know, jack people up against the wall and say, buy some cookies from this kid. <laughs> and she in would the threaten way, their lives. In the way Max feels about clowns, I have that reaction when I see an adult dressed as a Boy Scout. I mean, how often does that happen? Well, well no, they're a leader. They, like, run their uh, troop. 
There's always an My adult. old neighbor was But they're one. wearing the patch and the whole thing and, and the he's shorts. he's such and a nice guy. They yeah. look like UPS drivers. It's just, it, it doesn't seem natural to me. Well, I mean, they like to show you how to tie the knot, and they like to show you how to do the scarf, and they like to show you how to build a fire. Maybe. This is the kind of person <laughs> that you want if you're lost in the woods, maybe. No. Creepy. <laughs> Max, you... You were, that's an organized thing. You've never been a scout. No, I'm fine, my lord. No, You're a rebel. Yeah. It, well, it's like uh, uh, Groucho Marx famously said, I would never want to be a part of any club that would have me. But it teaches you to, what do we say, be prepared. And, of course, uh, that didn't stick with me either. Um, what else you want to know? Want to talk sugar fire for a second? Well, don't we always? Chicken I love wings. it. Chicken wings for the big party. John's having all those people. He wants chicken wings. You can't right. make chicken wings for all those people. Just go to Sugar Fire. Uh, yeah, I think I think I'm gonna cut that corner. Uh, and if I do make the chicken wings, I'll buy them in bulk somewhere, which means probably not the best quality. But if I rub them with Sugar Fire's barbecue rub and I toss it in Sugar Fire's barbecue sauce. Maybe they won't know. I got 10 pounds for $2. Breath. All right, so somewhere the Supreme Court is huddling and taking up the issue of whether or not Colorado can yank Donald Trump off the ballot. And, of course, pretty big decision considering other states watching closely, they're considering it as well, but... Is it such a big question when four of the Supreme Court uh, judges were appointed by Donald Trump? Are my numbers right, Royal Oaks? Well, actually, you know, it's funny. All nine of the justices seemed receptive to Donald Trump's position in court today, which is a bit of a shock. I think most people were predicting that it would be an uphill battle for the Colorado result to prevail but I'm telling you, that oral argument, uh, you had Justice Sotomayor saying, why does a single state get to decide if somebody's going to be president? Good point. Uh, Justice Elaine Kagan, same thing. Why a single state? Uh, and, of course, you know, Alito and Thomas, you, you would predict that they would be favorable to Trump's side. But I, I would not be shocked if it is a 9-0 vote within a week or so because voting is going on, so the justices feel under great pressure. Basically, they didn't even want to talk about whether Trump is an insurrectionist. All they wanted to talk about was the more technical question of, does the clause in the Constitution that says, if you're an insurrectionist, you may not be a federal, hold a federal office, does that apply to presidents? And they all seem to think it does not. Plus, they were all worried about a patchwork of 50 states making 50 different decisions. Their attitude was Congress should pass a law that would establish a clear protocol and Congress yeah. could sort of supervise the process of bumping somebody off if they, in fact, are an insurrectionist. So this is kind of an important decision and it's and it needs to be fast tracked. How do they decide which cases they're going to see um, in a speedy manner over another one? Like, how does this move to the front of the line? Rock, scissors, paper. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, this one moved to the front of the line, I think, because when Colorado did something kind of provocative, namely say, sorry, Mr. Trump, you're off the ballot, that set off alarm bells because that, that decision had to be either rejected or affirmed very promptly because people are already starting to vote with early voting and, and primaries and so on. 
So it, it was very quick. Usually, as you know, it's like tap dancing and molasses, getting through the Supreme Court process months and months to, to have your case heard, briefs, oral argument. Then they take forever to make a decision. This is like lightning. They, they set the argument date just a, a few weeks after uh, Trump went to uh, Washington to ask for relief. Uh, and now I believe, as I say, they're going to have a quick decision. And of course, then no rest for the weary. Uh, there are two more Trump cases coming down the pike for the Supreme Court. Is he immune from criminal prosecution because he was president? He just lost in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals the other day. And the other issue is, can he really be charged with obstruction of official proceedings? There are arguments against that. So uh, a lot of Trump cases on the high court docket uh, this spring. So if this goes as you called it, where Colorado is not going to be able to take him off the ballot, are there other states waiting in line to plead the same thing? Exactly. And of course, as you've reported on in Maine a few weeks ago, the secretary of state there held a hearing and she said, yeah, I I agree with Colorado. He's an insurrectionist. He's out of here. And half a dozen other states are lawsuits in various states of the uh, uh, of the pipeline and their court systems. So all those states are eagerly waiting to hear what the U.S. Supreme Court is going to say. And if I'm right in predicting that Trump's going to win, then they'll all have to just shut down the engines and, and allow Trump to be on the ballot. I mean, this is like playing whack-a-mole with legal cases. I don't know if there's one grandmaster trying to keep this all straight within that side of things. I mean, who could even keep track of all this? Yeah, well, of course, that's the benefit of the U.S. Supreme Court having the ultimate power, because you're right, it's whack-a-mole all over the, the country. And that's one of the reasons I think the court is going to reject the idea of a state having the power because the the, court, the justices seemed very sensitive uh, to and concerned about the argument by Trump's side that it would just be a big patchwork that would lead to instability and, and a lack of confidence in the system. So, yeah, it's it was pretty remarkable to see even the liberal justices joining. I, I think the smart move would be to go to Vegas, uh, get a suite at the Bellagio, <laughs> buy a few tickets to the Super Bowl, bet on Trump winning 9-0, and then when you, your bet comes through, you'll be able to pay all your bills for the Super Bowl. And then you can go out to dinner with Taylor Swift. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's assuming she... Uh, She's she's there. Well, I, I think true. it's a good bet she'll be there. We'll the real see. Drama, is she going to is she going to endorse Joe Biden during halftime, oh, which is some conspiracy theorists uh, think is going to happen. So uh, pretty amazing. We got a date when we're going to hear from uh, SCOTUS on a ruling on this. Yeah, I think I'd predict a week. Um, and uh, Chris, don't go. Don't bet on that. Uh, <laughs> we won't bet, bet the, the farm one. on that. We're going to bet on the 49ers, though, right, Royal 49ers? Yeah. Yeah, I think the 49ers are probably, I think they're, uh, they're the betting line says they're probably going to win. All right, buddy. Thanks. One of the good guys right there, Royal Oaks. He don't know my Chiefs. From ABC. Oh, they're your Chiefs now. They are it's now. It's funny. Yes. They used they're... to be your Cowboys. I know. Maxie stepping in for Tom O'Keefe and Max yeah. stepping in for Max tomorrow. So, busy day for him. He'll review Lisa Frankenstein. Uh, Aaron Lapidus pops on to talk uh, tax stuff with us because it's getting confusing. <laughs> Got some give <laughs> down, boy. Get off my leg. And the That's... puppy bowl tomorrow. Oh yeah. Wonder why you were on my leg like that. <laughs> KCRS St. Louis. We're leaving. Back at noon. See you then. I left milk in the fridge. I'm John Carney. Thanks.